Okay, so today on the Plant Cunning Podcast, we have Kira Sutherland, and Kira is a nutritionist, an herbalist, homeopath, and medical astrologer. And we're very excited to have you on the show, Kira. How are you? Oh my God, I'm so excited. Lots to talk about, I'm sure. So much to talk about. So our first question is, what brought you to the plant path? Oh, what did get me on it? Um, I uh, was living in Europe in my early 20s, and didn't really know about naturopathy or herbal medicine. I mean, maybe I did a little bit, but um, I got quite sick and got sent to a naturopath herbalist and was, and I was already really into nutrition, but I was like, oh my gosh, this makes so much more sense. Um, I was already on a bit of a spiritual path and I was like, wow, that like, I, I mean, you might remember this happening to you guys as well, but I remember thinking, of course, the earth supplies us with medicine. Like that just was like, oh my God, how did nobody talk to me about this before? So <laughs> getting really sick and um, I actually got, yeah. So I saw a naturopath herbalist, a German one, and they're like amazing with their herbs. And she actually then sent me to a Austrian fasting clinic for three weeks. So mm. my introduction was intense and um yeah fasting and herbs and all kinds of you know taking sun all kinds of the traditional healing so that yeah that's where it found me hmm. yeah illness I think a lot of people find it with illness don't they yeah we do get that a lot for sure I, I definitely can relate to that with my asthma like oh I don't need to take albuterol I can take a mullein tea or lobelia tincture yeah. and I'm good like that's exciting so awesome. So awesome. And are you allowed to use lobelia? We're not, it's banned in Australia. Oh. Yeah, yeah, we are. And it yeah. grows everywhere yeah. in the woods around here. I know. And it's so beautiful, but yeah, no, we have a few things that are banned here. It's very sad. Yeah. Yeah. Sad. Lobelia though, uh, is not the most fun herb to take. <laughs> we don't have lobelia and we're not allowed to use comfrey internally. Oh. Yeah. 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 We're not, comfrey is like one of those limited use ones too. Yeah. We could do external. So how about some of your teachers and mentors along your path or schools? Are you self-taught or did you have certain oh, yeah. teachers that got guided you? Yeah. So luckily I moved to Australia right when I was kind of 23, 24, and they had have incredible schools here. Um, it's funny. We're, you know, off in the middle, we're off by ourselves, but um the herbal, sorry, I, I always say it with an H because that's what we say here, but <laughs> the herbal <laughs> and naturopathy schools here have always been really strong and it's a big community. And um, so I studied here formally. It was when I studied 30 years ago, it was known as an advanced diploma, which is kind mm -hmm. of like going to community college in the US, I would equate it to, but it's now a, a degree but we're an undergrad degree. I know herbs or herbs in um, the US is taught very differently. Oh, I guess you can go to like Bastyr and places like that. So we're kind of equivalent to how Bastyr does gotcha. an undergrad herbs. And, and we, but I studied, oh my God, 30 years ago. So mm -hmm. um, yeah, my teachers, I would mention, you wouldn't know, but um the books that rocked my world were mm -hmm. herbal books that rocked my world. Ooh, Simon Mills from mm -hmm. the UK. I don't know if you know him. Um, he comes out lecturing here a lot and he's just amazing. He has a TC, traditional Chinese medicine and traditional herbal background. And he just weaves these great stories about herbs. Um, mm -hmm. And the other book that really rocked my world was David Hoffman. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. I love his stuff and we don't you know when we I teach at university in Australia I teach in, in the naturopathy and nutrition degrees or herbal degrees mm -hmm. and uh, we don't use his books anymore it's very much it, it becoming a degree in Australia we have to stay very very evidence-based and we do yeah. teach traditions but I don't think, hopefully I don't get in trouble for saying this, I don't think we teach enough traditional grassroots herbs and energetics. And I kind of have this worry that we're lo losing that vitalistic principle of how the body works. And yeah, that's that's my thing at the moment is yeah. making sure that exists. That's awesome. Really important. Yeah, it's a tough oh. balance sometimes because like, you know, super tough. 
on the outskirts, on the fringe of what's mainstream, you know, you want to, you want to have approval from the mainstream and, want, and you want your clients to feel like, you know, what you're doing, <laughs> then yeah. sometimes you get like too, too lost in, in the, the, the bits about it that aren't even the most important thing. Like mm. the structure that holds it is, in my opinion, is that vitalistic thing, spiritual yeah. thing. And I think, you know, yeah, I just really, there's some book, there's a book in me about that or a bunch of blogs yeah. that come soon because there's this, I teach under this, you know, very evidence-based model, which I love and it's great. Yeah. And yeah, it is about acceptance as much as naturopaths and herbalists are ever going to be accepted by the mainstream, let's be real. But um, yeah, I just really have this mission. Maybe it's, I'm 50 now and I have this mission as I, I have to admit to getting into that elder space of, 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 you know, holding that torch of, you know, making sure we don't lose those traditional vitalistic ideas and principles for the students that are coming through that are so evidence-based taught. They're like, what do you mean? Oh, there's this whole energetic side to herbs. There's this whole, and it's interesting because, you know, we happily accept traditional Chinese medicine and its energetics. And we happily accept Ayurveda and the doshas and all this stuff. Yeah. And it's like, well, what about our Western energetics? We so, you know, dismiss yeah. it in some ways. So that's really where, um, as I know you guys know, but we, I practice medical astrology and to, and at the minute everyone hears astrology, they're like, oh my God, you're a herbalist and you're an astrologer. That's even weirder, you know, I ended up, which I love, but yeah, you know, <laughs> it puts me even more fringe yet. It's just practicing the energetics of the body. It's, yeah. you know, it used to be part of medicine, but we throw it out because they want to clump it with, you know, whether it's predict. and I love all types of astrology, but yeah, so so how did you get into the medical astrology? Did that come after the herbalism training and the naturopathic training? No, it came at the same time, really. I I grew up in San Francisco in the 70s and 80s. Mm-hmm. And um, one of my, my, and I'm born from two scientists, but my mm-hmm. mom was really open to alternative things as well. And one of her best friends was a massage therapist slash reiki slash astrologer and she used to teach me best friend to have (laughs) i know she was amazing she was amazing actually so she ended up as like my first little mentor she -hmm. secretly was like planting stuff for me you know Mm -hmm. and um she got me interested in astrology and then I formally studied it at the same time I formally studied naturopathy. It was actually taught at the same school. I was like, oh my God, I can finally do this, you know, formally. Cause this, with astrology, you can self-teach absolutely. But it was like so nice to have somebody else teach it. And then, so I was looking at all the old herbal, you know, Culpepper has all these, you know, there's a the book I love, books I love, but Culpepper goes into the energetics of herbs astrologically. And at the same time I was studying astrology and I was like, and then you learn, I remember learning medical astrology existed. And I was like, well, here's our system. This is the system I needed because yeah. everyone was graduating as herbalists and naturopaths. And they were like, oh, I'm going to go do traditional Chinese medicine. I'm going to do Ayurveda. And I was like, where's our energetics? We must have it. Mm. And so finding medical astrology was like, oh, this yeah. is what I'm supposed to. Yeah. But I am a self-taught medical astrologer. I was traditionally taught astrology, but at that time, there was no one really teaching it where I was. And there was no, shows my age. There was no internet at that point. <laughs> yeah. Well, so online learning that makes life so much easier. It's a game changer. Yeah. Oh I mean, it's, it's been so recent, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, all these new cl- classes. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's only been in the last 10 years, I think, that there's even been the, a possibility. And then with uh, COVID and everything now, there's so many more. Oh, my God. It's just, you know, I remember teaching online for one of the astrology schools, teaching medical astrology. And that probably started in 2015. And that was like, oh my God, big online classes for anyone in the world. And now you don't even think about it, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how, how did you go about studying medical astrology um, on your own? Because that I'm sure that was a little difficult to track down the books and know where to go. Like, yeah. what did, yeah. how did you do that? So I literally located every book I could find. So whether it was looking on, um, again, I don't even think there were online bookstores at that point. Um, 
I feel old all of a sudden. No, <laughs> um, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I don't feel that old. I don't. Um, but I'm like, oh, it's so weird to talk about that pre versus post, right? Like I have yeah. a 16 year old, you know, a Gen Zer who yeah. can't even concept life without being able to Google it and whatever. I, know, yeah. um, I just found medical astrology books. I just located them in astrology bookstores, you know, and so I literally bought every medical astrology book I could find and read it front to back, back to front. And, but I basically, I started just applying it. And so the way I practice medical astrology might be a little bit different to how other people do it. I'm not, like I said, I'm not breaking any traditional rules, but I, I see it more as an energetic system to help me decide how to treat. Um, But underneath, I always have my core herbalist nutritionist underneath so it's this weird combination of the two so I'm I'm probably I what I really do is I I look at the natal chart I guess I taught myself to look at the natal chart for your strengths and weaknesses and and Mm -hmm. how to support somebody's natal vitality is really Mm -hmm. what I kind of created by myself from all these other books and teachers but yeah, I wasn't formally taught this is what you do to this. It just kind of evolved off mm-hmm. of trial and error, I guess. Yes. Yeah. So that was one of our questions was how do you approach the natal chart from that perspective of a nutritionalist and naturopath and herbalist? Like, what do you yes. look So um, like when I do a consult, when someone comes to me for a consult, I'm obviously going to get them to fill out a bit of a health form first, just mm-hmm. so I know what's going on with them. You know, it's not... I'm not a psychic. This is not, uh, let me tell you, you know, medical astrology. And uh, I mean, this is how I feel about it. Medical astrology isn't there for me to go. These are going to be your diseases because that you also have to be careful with medical astrology because you can, it's not a positive thing, right? It's like looking for ailments, looking for problems, but then it's what to do with it. But Mm -hmm. I'm not going to predict just because someone's a Leo, I'm not gonna be like, oh, you'll have heart disease. Like, because you're going to create that in somebody's head, right? Yeah, you don't, right. So you have to be so cautious. So I get people to tell me what's going on with them. And then I go and I look for where those triggers are in a natal chart. Or if we have timing of illness, we'll look at transits. You know, We'll look at what triggered things off. Because your natal chart is really your potential strengths and weaknesses. It's not fact. You know, it's not everybody that's a Taurus is not going to have thyroid trouble, you know? Um, So I look at the natal chart more as like a constitutional overview of who you are, where your weaknesses possibly can be. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 So so are you looking at like, I mean, you can see in in terms of energetics, you know, you have hot, dry, uh, moist. Yeah. When you first look at a chart, I'm absolutely going to look at the elemental theory, the elemental makeup of a person. I'm going to look at that for sure. Are they missing an element? Are Mm. they, you know, excess in an element? Um, And that's always in the background. And then I look at, I especially look at what the rising sign is, what that's doing, Mm -hmm. what's happening in that first house. Because the first house and the rising sign or the ascendant is your, is that's the basis of your physical body and your constitutional makeup as much as we go oh we are our sun and moon the first house is your rules the physical body mm-hmm. so I really look at the ascendant tends to be where we have most of our weaknesses you know often we're great at expressing that sun sign um so I look at the ascendant the first house I look at the sun I look at the moon and then I'm going to look I'm going to look at the sixth house which is traditionally the house of illness but I also see it as the house of preventative health like mm-hmm. where you have to do your work yeah, to stay yeah. healthy. Yeah, your daily, daily, your habits. Yeah. Habits oh, like, way to think it's about that. habits, Richard, you know, and, and I love the sixth house like that. So yes, there are a lot of modern views I take to that because traditionally you'd be like, no, that's just the house of illness and disease. But it's like, the how, you know, sixth house rules hard work. <laughs> health is really hard work. <laughs> daily it is staying healthy all the time and and um I'm actually a month away from finishing my first book in medical astrology and it's on the houses not 
not anything to do with the controversy of what house system to use. I don't care right. what house system people use because that uh -huh. always comes like whatever works for people I'm good with. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm writing a book on how I, somehow I ended up as a really house-based astrologer in medical astrology because it oh, makes sense. So much of the physical body is represented by the houses mm -hmm. and often I see ailments happening because of a planet in a house, but the house has this huge overriding influence into where in the body the problem's happening and then gives you great, you know, ideas as to what go to what to go do with how to make that planet happy with that house. Right. right. Like, like you got a planet having trouble in the second house. You get them out on the earth, you get them walking barefoot, you get them gardening, you get them doing earthy. Like if you look at the houses in their traditional rulerships, you know, like Aries, people don't like, some people don't like this and they balk because this is, you know, everyone goes, oh, that's cookie cutter astrology. House does not equal sign, does not equal planet. But in medical astrology, there is massive overlap of those. And all medical, all the medical astrologers do talk about that. How like Judith Hill, Jane Ritter, Patrick, both actually have a whole system where they talk about first house, similar rulership to Aries rulership, body parts and ruling planets. Mm -hmm. So, okay. In the zodiacal man, we have Aries is the head and Taurus is the neck and yeah. so down to Pisces. Is yep. the so yep. what you do is the first house is the head and the second yes. house is the neck and so down and then the yeah. 12th. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and so and you have, because you can look at the planets in the sign and the planets in the house and then the planets themselves and you have kind of because yeah. not everybody born with saturn in aries you know is going to have saturn problems in their head that's like a lot of people <laughs> oh yeah absolutely that's yeah three years <laughs> of people right yeah so um yeah absolutely and how it expresses you know there's so many different ailments that can happen like yeah. um I do have Saturn and Aries, just to put it out there, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and in the first house, and I may or may not have a sun sign in Aries as well. And so that together <laughs> makes up this um, lots of accidents to the head, lots of bumps and bruises to the head. Um, and sure enough, I've got six sets of stitches in my body and five of them are in my head. Wow. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Because that's just because it's first house and Aries and then Saturn, which can be about scars and bumps. And yeah, mm -hmm. I even have like a little bony lump from too many hits. So the whole Saturn has created some extra calcification on my skull. That's not to talk about my health stuff, but yeah. Thank yeah, you for it's that example, so, though. Yeah, it's, very it's so helpful. literal, though. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. very literal. <laughs> it's, it is literal. ridiculously literal. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, yeah. So I'm, I, I wasn't taught to be a house-based astrologer. And I know that at the, at the moment there's huge controversy in houses. Um, but it's amazing to look at that as a way, I guess why I like it so much is it's a way of treatment for me, you know, and it's a way that astrologers that don't do a lot of medical astrology can work with their clients because you know, if there's a problem happening in the fifth house, I don't care what planet it is. You could be having problems with Venus in the fifth or Jupiter or Pluto, whatever. Take that planet and nourish it through the fifth house activities and creativity and music or dancing or sex or whatever's working for people, right? Mm -hmm. And because you're going to have problems with planets, no matter what, like we're all going to have health problems. But to me... We have to have something to go do with it. I don't want to just do a read and go, here's your health stuff. Here's your, oh yeah, you're going to, you know, you've got Lyme right. disease and I can see it coming from here. It's like, how can we go play with that planet? Because no matter how, you know, whether there's an ailment in the planet or you go, oh my God, I've got this planet and it's in its detriment and it's so suppressed. And it's like, yeah, it, it, you might have a planet and it's detriment but you still got to use it, right? Like sometimes we get so stuck in that traditional, oh my God, this is such a compromised planet that we just hold on to that. But it's like, well, I still got to go use it. I still got to, you know, you might yeah. have a Venus that's in all kinds of trouble, but you still got to go take her out to play and nourish her. And, and so I look at the house as kind of a grid for what to go do with planets besides herbs and nutrition and, and 
and sell salts or essences. What you know, there's so many ways to work with something. Yeah, mm -hmm. but I think that's really important. I mean, we just our last episode was with a Vedic astrologer, and yeah. in in Ayurveda and Vedic astrology, they have a, a lot of different ways to remediate uh, a yes. planetary problem. And, you know, medicine is one way, but also giving offerings is another way. Donating is another way, like doing mantras is another, another thing. And I like that what you're doing is, is similar and yeah. like, is there, mm -hmm. they're like going dancing can be remediation. That's a remediation <laughs> for sure. Music is the most beautiful remediation, you know, yeah. getting the body moving and, you know, in, in, in the Vedics often use gemstones, mm -hmm. um, you know, but we have all of that in the West too. And we have herbs and I use flower essences all the time for remediation. Um, I do a whole mix for people with a, if, in a reading, I can, you can do a whole natal chart flower essence mix, which I think is just a beautiful way for people to kind of work with some of that stuck energy. You know, there's cell salts, there's, oh my God, there's so many different ways. So when you're making one of those mixes for a specific client, are you yeah. um, working on like, say, remediating a certain planet that's in detriment, or is it kind of a combination of everything you just said about the houses and the yeah, elves? yeah? I don't. It, I'm not often basing them just on detrimental planet. You know, detrimental planets. I'm more like, what's the planet cause? When people show up for a reading with me, some people come and they just are there going, I want tell me about me which is okay. awesome. Mm -hmm. um, but most of the time people are coming with an ailment already. And then I'm showing them where that's coming from in the chart. Yeah. So we will work on that. Right. And, um, but often there's a recipe and I didn't invent this. And I actually don't know who invented what's called the maintenance remedy. If anybody knows that's listening, who first decided to do this, there's a maintenance remedy where you take somebody's sun, because that's who they are, that, their vitality. You do their moon, which is emotions and, oh, you know, <laughs> what doesn't the moon rule? Um, so you do someone's sun, moon, your ascendant, because that's your physical body. Mm -hmm. You do Saturn, because that's where we create fear and restriction mm -hmm. and limit ourselves. And you put in um, the ruler of Mercury because that's your mind and worry and your nervous system. And so you use those five things. And then you can also, depending on the house system, if you have, if you're using a house system that changes signs halfway through a house, mm -hmm. if there's any other planet sitting in the first house in a different sign to the ascendant. So like, say someone was, you know, Aquarius rising, but they're using Placidus. And there's a planet sitting in Pisces in the first, I would put the Pisces in as well, because the first house is the physical body. So that's the traditional maintenance remedy, but I will use that. Or I just go off of you're stuck with these two planets. Let's use these. And then I would always put in sun, moon, ascendant. At times I've played with someone's progress chart instead of their natal chart. But, but um, I had a whole class. The thing about not teaching face-to-face -face so much these days is I used to bring in stuff and we'd be like, okay, everybody take your um, cell salt or everybody take your flower essence for your sun this week. And then the next week we would take the flower essence for your progressed sun just to see what felt different. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I, I missed that. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. And then you can actually taste this, the thing and feel it and you have a yeah. visceral uh yeah. Experience. Yeah. Whether it's cell salts or flower essences, I do that a lot. I do a lot of playing with that just because I think they're great ways to re gently remediate somebody's chart. And so, those are, of, mm -hmm, go so those are both homeopathy uh, remedies, right? Homeopathy. Yes. Yeah. That's definitely something we haven't talked as much about either. But so um, I know that you can correlate the cell salts to the signs. Um, yes. Is there core? Do you have correlations or correspondences between like different planet, like uh, flower essences? Yes. Signs too. So homeopathy for those that don't know, do I need to explain homeopathy? Yeah, right. maybe. Oh, sure. that's a little bit tricky too. So Samuel <laughs> Hahnemann is credited as creating homeopathy, but if you go back in history, he got his ideas from other people. So right. it probably goes back thousands of years, but it's the idea. And again, like in Paracelsus, who was this 
chemist who um, had this beautiful, he's the first guy, we kind of call him our first chemist of the scientific world, right? He really got into dosages of things and, but really people were doing stuff long before that as well. But he has this quote around all medicines can be toxic. It's just the dosage that makes it healing or toxic. And I've totally mangled that, that quote, but that's the general idea of what he said. It's not the word for wood. It was much prettier when he said it. So there's this idea in homeopathy. So we got regular herbs. We make tinctures. We have teas. We use it as, you know, we use what's known as the gross or the whole herb, right? The raw herb. Um, so in homeopathy, it's the idea that if you dilute down, we'll pretend we're just using herbs. So say we're going to use echinacea. If I dilute down a tincture almost to the point where there's no molecules left of the echinacea, we've, we've, we've taken echinacea and we take some inert solution and we combine them together, shake it up because then the molecules actually spread over the gradient. And then we take a little bit of that and we put it into another bit of an inert solution, shake it up and you divide things down to very specific amounts but you can divide things down so that there legally is no molecule left of that herb or substance you're using it's the idea that the soul or the vibrational energy of that herb or that we use a lot of poisons in you know venoms and things like that in homeopathy we even use you know toxic metals we use actual disease states we actually take and dilute down so that it's more the essence or the vibrational soul of the medicine is still there. But if you were to test it, nothing's in there. And it's the idea that that is shifting your body on a totally different level. And it's the idea that we, if health is kind of this equilibrium where we're right here through illnesses, we kind of get pendulumed in one direction. And by giving, in homeopathy, we use sympathetic remedies, like cures like. You get bit by a snake, you give an anti-venom. Whereas homeopathy is like, you get stung by a bee, we actually give you bee venom diluted down because it's the idea that the bee venoms moved you here. If I give you bee venom homeopathically, it's going to shift and then bring it back. So it's the idea of cure, treating by sympathy, like cures, like, like, um, my favorite example is if you cut an onion, you get red, teary eyes, runny nose, you know, itchy face, right? Yeah. We give onion for hay fever symptoms because onion creates in a healthy person, what we use it for. Does it's that like, make sense? Uh, yeah, okay. no, it's making sense. So, yeah. Questions on homeopathy? So you guys, yeah, so usually we do the antipathy. So if you have a problem, then you do the opposite. But with yeah, we're doing the same. Yeah, and in in herbs we do treat sympathetically. Mm-hmm. Like we give you have a fever, and we give diaphoretic. You know, we give things like elder and yarrow, which are stoking the fire of your fever, because energetically then the body kind of reacts to that so we do use herbs in both directions like antibiotics are a classic antipathy right you have an illness let's kill it um so flower essences back to the original question (laughs) are homeopathic um remedies made from flowers but they're actually the traditional way to make flower remedies is you take a bowl of Um, spring water in a crystal bowl and you float the flowers on top of the ball and put it out into the sunlight and so the sun is potentizing the soul of the flowers into that water there is another method with barks where you boil it but we don't need to go there and um and then so the remedy then ends up in the water you stabilize it either with apple cider vinegar if you don't want to use alcohol or traditionally you stabilize it in brandy um and then you take drops of that. And flower essences were created, well, sorry, Bach. The flower essences I most use are the Bach or Bach flowers from England. But flower essences in general are given for emotional states. They're not for physical ailments. They are shifting emotional patterns and fears and despondency and yeah, impatience. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just so crazy that such a dilute form can have oh, yeah. such a impact on folks. Do you see that yeah. in your practice that the flower essences do shift? Oh yeah. Frequency? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're very subtle. Often you're, it's not like you take it and you're like, oh my gosh, but it's this subtle shifting of your soul or your emotional state that I find, you know, people often say, how long do I take it for? I'm like, you take it till you forget to take it because once you forget to take it, unless you're super forgetful, um, (laughs) it it means you're pretty much done, right? So you take a couple drops under on the tongue a few times a day and yeah, they just, it's this subtle I think we forget how subtle everything is in our body and we get into this, oh, we need, especially in herbs these days, these big doses, these gross dosages, you know, or we're not giving turmeric anymore. We're giving curcumin, you know, we're synthesizing out little chemical constituents, giving these big doses. And there's something beautiful in herbs about using that whole plant and not just the chemical constituent, because you have all those thousand other chemicals that are buffering and doing amazing things. And I think, I don't think we create things better than nature. I just don't. So do you think it is like the spirit of the plant that is working our spirit directly? Yeah. Yeah. And that's what, that's what Bach you know, was going for. He was like, so many of our ailments are actually created through our emotional state. You know, look at right now, the big issue for everybody is, and I've never seen so much anxiety in my life as the last decade, right? right? I've been a a practitioner for 30 years. Hmm. I, you know, two out of every three people showing up has anxiety. They've got, you know, not so much depression, but there's just so much high wired at the moment. Yeah. And and I've never seen that. I mean, maybe we're more comfortable saying I have anxiety these days, but there's so much more going on for us energetically, emotionally than we're. I think we're we know admitting too much. to. <laughs> it's the internet. I think we know too much. Well, also yeah, being on the internet so. like eight hours a day. Yeah, that like, can oh be anxiety, you know. I know it's funny. Yesterday, mm-hmm. I was seeing some clients, and one of them was describing all their symptoms, and then I hung up. And I was like, oh, I don't feel very good. Oh, I'm really yeah. achy and a bit fevery. And I couldn't tell if I was just getting sick or if I had like energetically, huh? I was processing through. Her. I was trying to convince myself I was processing her symptoms. Yeah. <laughs> but in, reality, in reality, I just got sick. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I think there's definitely a lot of anxiety in the world right now. The, oh uh, you know, the astral realm is not very... Friendly. friendly you know i you know i know a lot of a lot of people who have a lot of serious depression you know yeah. substance abuse but yeah. um, and we're so busy we're yeah. forgetting yeah. you know we're so preoccupied you know i'm gonna walk if the minute i'm downtime i'll go watch netflix or i'll do you know and we're not getting out in nature as much we're not yeah. you know there's rounding all down those subtle yeah and yeah. Um, i think and i think flower essences for me or, you know, and for those people that are into astrology, there's astrological essences, right? You can make a sh- essences out of what's happening astrologically right now. And people have been doing this for forever. And mm-hmm. people have been making essences out of, you know, crystal, you know, you can put crystals into water out in the sun and make, you know, this is homeopathy. It's all homeopathy and it's been going on for forever. But yeah, um, I love making astrological essences. Okay, I really so, want to get into that. So what you, yeah. instead of having a plant that corresponds with a sign or a planet, what you're doing is you're making the flower essence while the sign, like the moon is in the same. Yeah, sign. I'm not even using flowers. I'm literally just using water mm-hmm. outside, whether it's in the sunshine or the moonlight. Okay. Yeah. You know, other people would be like, that's astrological magic. Right. If you go back to astrological magic, and I don't even know the history of how long people have been doing that, but for remediation, people do all kinds of ritual and prayer at certain times with certain astrological, you know, invocation. You know, people do a lot of invocation. I'm not even using the right words, but yeah. Yeah, we all do it. And I do it. I do it as well. But I've started now making essence, you know, you can make different, you know, people do what's the word? It's my fevered brain's not coming out with it. You know, at at certain times, you know, you can write your prayer or you do, you know, use 
Thank you. You know, in the words, just not coming. Yeah. Alternate ways to do petitions. And so one of my favorite ways at the moment that I've just been experimenting with more of myself than anyone else is doing, um, I do petitions and I'm making essences at that time, whether I'm using them on my body as a spray or I'm actually taking them internally. I'm, I'm being quite cautious with this though, because I don't, you know, that's working with some serious stuff. So yeah, yeah. definitely can be. Yeah. So are you doing like full elections where like you're, you're trying to get Saturn and Aquarius on the ascendant? Yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm not great at the patience of calculating stuff like that. And there are some incredibly expert people at doing that. So I'm following a couple different people that actually give you oh, this is this, you know, this is happening on this date and, yeah. and, and I'm deciding, you know, sometimes I think, oh yeah, I'll do all five of those this month. And then I only make it to one of them. Right. You know, and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. You know? Um, so I'm following a few different astrological magic practitioners and cool. using, I'm, I'm learning from them. Right. I'm a, I'm a total novice in that. Whereas, um, what I have been doing for quite a few years separate to that, but this is astrological magic, is making lunar waters. So making, okay. and yeah, I, okay, I'm not going to do it during an eclipse, right? Nobody's that crazy, <laughs> but hopefully, um, but I'm making astrological waters and you do have to kind of ignore what else is happening. Otherwise you would never make them, right? So I'm making, you know, people do astrological waters a lot at the full moon and the new moon. That's been a really common thing to do for forever in Wiccan and pagan traditions, right? But I'm doing, I'm in love with the eight lunar phases, you know, the, the traditional eight, you know, new moon, crescent, first quarter, that whole thing. And going back into the more, pay, we're going to say pagan or earth, earth, religions um what those mean and um for creative cycles of building and release and all that and so i've been making lunar waters over the last i don't know five years i've been make, trying to capture every astrological sign under every lunar phase <laughs> i have thousands of bottles sitting at home wow. they're all they're all in here somewhere <laughs> That's oh, a yeah, massive so like, project. That's yeah. pretty sweet. It's, so it's every it's day. An, every day. Yeah, not water, not like every day, days? but like every three days. Okay. Yeah. So I do have, I'm not, it's not quite a complete set yet because of um, uh, not wanting to make, being away and not making them or being, you know, it being an eclipse or like I was trying to make some while I was in a hotel. <laughs> but I was, I was setting stuff up outside on this little balcony, you know, and I had my whole little altar set up, my ritual, my bowl, and the maid, the service kept getting rid of it. I had to leave notes. I'm like, please leave this alone. Please don't touch my altar. <laughs> don't touch my magic water. Yeah. So it was hilarious. I got back to the room and it was like completely, you know, the feather and the little stick of wood. And I had all the elements around it from yeah. stuff I was collecting in nature near the yeah. hotel. It was gone. Oh, but I yeah, so that. I have, I've managed, I have all the full moons and new moons and I'm somewhere between nine and almost 12 for every other moon phase with all the astrological signs. Yeah. Takes oh, a long time to make Yeah, that. definitely. And so then- now that you I also had to figure out, sorry, no, go ahead. Where to put the bowl so that my cat didn't decide <laughs> that that was my, yes. my husband and daughter had to, they're like, you know, the cat's been licking out of that. And I was like, oh, <laughs> no. So I had to get rid of a, like, it was only a couple of days. I decided to put bowls in a certain spot and they're like, not a cat good cats to that. No, good to know. no cat essences, I promise. <laughs> That's yeah, hilarious. Cats, it's pretty hard to to be safe from cats. I was drying a whole table full of salve one time with the lids off yep. and then came back into the room and saw several kitten prints in a couple of the salves from them oh, jumping yeah. on the table. So cats are amazing like that. Yeah. That's what we, we, that, yeah. we used to let in Canada, we used to have like a butter tub with no lid, right? Because it's so cold there and winter, you yeah. don't need it. I came down one day and God just, <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, how long has the cat been eating my butter? Oh, oh no. 
Yeah, we did. We had that happen when our, our cat was pregnant and she had like seven kittens. Yeah. And it was oh, her yeah. first time. And she just was, could get, was trying to not stop she, eating. Yeah. And anything. Yeah. But she definitely got the butter <laughs> more than a few times. Yeah. 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 Butter dishes need a lid for a reason. Right. Yes, for right. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So back so to lunar have, essences. Yeah. Yeah. You have the eight lunar essences that you yeah. make in yourself. So, um, how does one use them and how does it help yeah. you align so, moon or so, whatever else? Yeah. So there's that whole theory. I mean, and everybody's been doing this forever. You know, that new moon is that beginning initiating energy. And so you have that build up to the full moon of creative potential. And yes, there's squares that happen at that time. So there's struggle, but it's that building phase of new moon to full moon, that peak, and then that releasing phase or resting phase. Um, I also teach, you know, regular naturopathy. I teach, I'm actually also a sports nutritionist, which a lot of people don't know. Well, some people know that and I don't know my other side, but, uh-huh. um, there's this whole way, especially for females or those with a menstrual cycle, there's all this research that's just come out about eating slightly differently for your cycle, um, or doing different styles of exercise for your cycle, um, depending on what phase you're in. And so I've been playing with, and it doesn't matter if you don't have a menstrual cycle, but overlapping that as well. So I've gone into this kind of layers of information, but um, to, to go back to the essences, I then went through the definitions of all the Bach flowers and all the Californian essences. Uh, the FES, they're called the, I don't actually know what that's. That's another brand like Bach. Another brand of flower essences that's made in California. Um, And there's, you know, there's flower essences. I'm sure there's probably New York flower essences. There's Alaskan, you know, there's flower essences that have been created. You know, any flower probably can be an essence. It just takes that intuitive person to decide what that energetically means. You know, I'm in Australia and there's a huge set of we call them bush flower essences, yeah. um, created by Ian White. Um, but because I'm North American born, I've always been more drawn to North Northern Hemisphere flowers. And mm-hmm. so I went through the Californian essences and the Bach essences, and I found three flower essences that I feel sit really well with each of the moon phases. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, that initiating energy of the new moon, getting out of inertia and getting started in projects or that full moon kind of, you know, going through the whole almost pagan idea of what each of the moon phases mean and matching flower essences to go with those. So I now make lunar essences that have almost all of the 12 astrological signs as well. Eventually they will have them all Um, plus three flower essences that I think fit that phase. And so I've created like this eight set, the set of eight flower essences, lunar essences. Yeah. So I've been, I I finished them about, I mean, there's still a work in process because when I get a new, a new moon phase in a sign, but um, yeah. So I've been using those for the last year and they've been pretty really interesting to try on myself I sent them to like every friend I know I do sell them now but um and I made a little booklet to go with it that explains everything but yeah that's been really it's been fascinating and I've been giving them to everybody you know um but it's been especially fascinating for those with a menstrual cycle what happens to their menstrual cycle when they take these and not that they were created for that what I think is really nice I'm gonna back up what I think is really nice about taking essences like a whole set for the moon cycle is it ritual it takes you into the sixth house astrologically it remind every day before i take them i'm like okay what what i check in what moon phase am i in what okay, sign yeah. is it in not that that really matters but it reminds you it's like a meditation every day of the energetics of the day and okay. um and that's been really because health is a ritual right that's, yeah that's where health comes from so i like the idea that it um yeah makes you be more ritualistic with your health definitely because you're taking mm. the same one uh for a couple days with About the three moon, days three days yeah. with yeah. that cycle of the moon with those flowers that you've chosen to be a part yeah. of it um yeah and so you're really tapping in and creating that ritual for yourself 
And so finding for people who menstruate, um, like you talked about them having some interesting results, like what are you seeing? Oh yeah. Just like easier cycles or cycles getting more in rhythm short, you know, someone having a, you know, and I can't say that that's what they're, you know, it's not going to fix everybody's messed up cycle, but they were just like, oh, it was just a smoother cycle. Or I just, it, it, it kind of shifted it by a few days and it was more of a 28 day cycle although there's nothing wrong if you have a 32 day cycle um yeah they just felt more in tune easier cycle um yeah people that are I have a lot of friends that are perimenopausal age that skip cycles and they were like oh I kind of came back into more regular cycles for a while that was really interesting yeah really cool yeah I also made a set getting really out there Let's but do I made it. <laughs> that for a couple girlfriends, which I can do for people. I was <laughs> in Glastonbury a few years ago in the UK, mm-hmm. which is um, for those people who aren't aware, is you know hypothetically where Avalon. You know, it's a, it's a sacred site. It's meant to be where yeah. all the ley lines match up in yeah. in the UK. And there's a very sacred. There's actually two wells right in Glastonbury. I have this fascination with. Um, um, springs like yeah. um, you know sacred yeah. springs there's something yeah. so I anytime I make it near a sacred spring I make an essence from that spring oh cool as well so I'm so like I don't ask me what I'm doing with those but um, <laughs> yeah. so I just have thousands of little bottles around my house is basically what happens um but I made essences <laughs> from um the chalice well which has this really rust color to it like the menstrual cycle. And then there's another less known well in Glastonbury called the white well that um, I made another essence from. And so I actually put the chalice well essence into the first half of the cycle because the first half, the menstrual cycle, is this getting really out there? I feel like I'm really out there. (laughs) Um, For those that aren't aware, the first day of your cycle is actually the first day you bleed. A lot of people think the cycle is at the end. It's not. Like the new moon is actually the first day you bleed. Mm-hmm. Ovulation would be like the full moon. And then the two weeks and the last week of the darker moon, it would be like the PMSE period. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're if you're not cycling like that, if you're cycling opposite to that, there's nothing wrong with that either. So yeah. let me just, because people will now freak out that they're not getting their period at the new moon. Um, <laughs> so I put the chalice essence, which is more around blood into the first half of the month. And I put the white well into the second half of the month, awesome. just to see, I warned those girlfriends that I gave that to, just to see if that shifted periods even more. So that was interesting. That's really Who interesting. Knows? Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. So this, this is like moon remediation too. And a lot of people don't, I mean, really realize how important the moon is. It's, I mean, important for, (laughs) it's the, you know, the sun is the sun, you know, but the moon is it's every other planet every month, you know, every month. Yeah. It brings it all back. It's like, it's, the signal in horary, it's the secondary significator of the querent, you know, so it's all signifies you Mm. and people can have some really difficult moon placements you know too. yeah where whereas in horary decumbiture which is medical mm-hmm. the moon actually is the second significator of the illness uh-huh right i think i think yeah yeah there's the um uh, what is it called the... well, there's the ruler of the first yeah there's the sun and the rule of the first which are the querent or the ill ill person and then there's the ruler of the sixth which is the, the illness moon. and then the moon yeah. So if, yeah. if, if there's Mars or if, if Mars or Saturn is um, giving an, a hostile aspect to the moon, then I would see that as a, the equivalent to the a secondary of uh, the significator too. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. I agree. I agree. But, I mean, yeah. horaries got like, oh my God, there's so many rules. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's, that's really fun though. But the moon is really important. And this seems like a really <sighs> a powerful way of, of getting it more in contact with the moon and yeah. Remember- And I think, you know, we live it, we're talking about stress and anxiety and pushing and doing all this busy stuff. But if you actually look at the moon cycle, we're supposed to be kind of striving hard for two weeks and then we're supposed to be relaxing or, you know, you know, it's, it's like the seasons, right? You're not pushing hard in winter. You're not supposed to be right. So you look at those two, you know, those first two weeks of pushing harder 
And then those second two weeks are consolidation mm -hmm. and release. And I think, I think in creating them and in working with people with their cycles, I'm a huge fan of getting people in tune with that so that they're not, you know, the big thing everyone shows up with at the moment is besides nervous system is adrenal exhaustion. You know, oh. everyone's sh shot, right? Everyone's exhausted. They're go, go, go. Because we forget to have this lunar rhythm of build, create, consolidate, relax. And so I think by using the essences, it's just a ritual to remind you, oh, it's the dark of the moon. Maybe I shouldn't be pushing really hard. And maybe it's okay to lie on the couch and read a book for five hours. <laughs> love that for yeah. everybody or binge watch netflix <laughs> or whatever right? whatever you need to do yeah 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 and i love yeah. your art um the art of the moon itself you have that beautiful visual of the moon yeah. from new to full um and so yeah. if anybody wants to order some they can go to astrologyofhealth.com is that the best place oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. they're there they're, yeah you do anything yeah. based on like the clients um moon phase so you know everyone's yes. born on different moon phase so yes. is that important for you yes i'm actually obsessed with moon phases okay okay so <laughs> did you know that about me no, no maybe you didn't i don't know I'm a, oh um, a full moon i'm a full moon yeah full moon and and what are you what uh i'm disseminating okay so yeah. i'm disseminating as well so which is the teaching moon right okay yes so there's using the visible lunar phase but I often get people to use their lunar phase return. So when the moon comes back to the phase when you were born, so like full moon or disseminating, mm -hmm. I get people to start cycles there as well. Like, especially for females or those that have had menstrual cycles, but might not have them anymore, mm -hmm. but also people without uteruses can do this as well, or men. Mm -hmm. um, if somebody has a menstrual cycle, there's this building phase. So the first two weeks of your cycle, um, even though you have your period, you can wait a day or two to feel better, but that's the pushing phase. That's the, it's like your own personal new moon to full moon phase, because the day you get your period, very likely 14 days later, you're going to ovulate or thereabout. So that's your own new to full moon phase where you can exercise harder. Your body deals with carbohydrates better. So I'm going totally sports nutrition here. Um, it's, it's, you can be more restrictive with food and you don't have as much cravings. So I actually use the first half of somebody's lunar phase cycle for like weight loss. Uh -huh. You can work out harder and be stricter with food and be okay with it. Whereas the second half of the phase, so I've jumped. So if somebody has a menstrual cycle, you absolutely want to use the menstrual cycle for that build and then relax because the second half of the phase due to hormones we know we we crave more food we're more tired we don't ec recover from exercise as well we just want chocolate and salt let's make everything yeah. yeah so that's your balsamic phase right but if somebody doesn't have a cycle because they have an iud they're on the pill they are past menstrual age or they don't have a uterus you know people that don't have cycles there's a lot of people I get them to use their lunar phase okay. as a cycle because that. we are all cyclical. And yes, we have the moon out there, but using your lunar phase is actually using your own cycle because that goes all the way back to 28 days or 28 and a quarter days or whatever it is from the moment you were born. Yeah. And so that's actually your cycle of 28 days. And I've had great results with people, especially you know, and again, because it's my age bracket, I have all these people that are just hitting menopause and they don't have cycles anymore. And they're very sad that they don't have cycles. And I'm like, but you still have a cycle, right? Mm -hmm. That is so helpful. Oh my God. It's amazing. I taught this to a group of naturopaths recently that actually didn't even know I did astrology and I kind of showed them my underside <laughs> and um, showed them my you know, tie-dye side. Yeah. And um, <laughs> I had a lady come up at the end and she was crying. Uh-huh. And she was like, I just need to say thank you. I have always felt left. She um she was born without a uterus. Uh-huh. Right. That so she's female, 
she has ovaries, yeah. makes hormones, but she's never had a cycle. And she's like, I've always felt really left out because I don't yeah. have a cycle. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you have actually just given me a cycle. Oh. Like, oh, this is amazing. <laughs> I know. That's why you teach stuff, right? Those yeah, are those moments. Exactly. But, you know, for men, for everybody without uteruses or uteruses right. that aren't bleeding anymore, yeah. you know, it's amazing yeah. to think you have this beautiful cycle. So I actually get people to do that sometimes more than I get them to do the visible lunar phase. Mm-hmm. So many options is what it so is. Using that cycle, you're going to recommend your workout uh, regimen is going to be different for each phase of the cycle. Yeah. Yeah. And your nutrition, like what kind of foods you're going to need and herbs for each. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't really gone into herbs yet for each, Okay, but But that's that's a good idea. I should. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So so if she's full moon, then her her cycle, her full moon is actually a new moon. Yeah. If you want to do that, but but if you're cycling, you want to stick to your actual real menstrual cycle because- that's truly your hormonal cycle. It's designed to work with your hormones that way, right? Because the whole idea is the first half of the cycle, women are lower hormone, right? We have no no progesterone's happening. We have estrogen coming around day five to seven, peaking at ovulation. Ovulation has to occur for a big surge in progesterone. Second half of the cycle is considered the high hormone cycle. It's progesterone that makes us tired and cranky and bloated and an old, you know, estrogen still there, but it drops a bit, but progesterone stays high. And so that's that relaxed phase you want to eat, you know, mm-hmm. sea salt, dark chocolate, yeah. all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. And this, Lint, this makes Lint, of- my, my idea is Lint should just actually remarket dark <laughs> chocolate sea salt, dark chocolate as the PMS bar, right? Yes. <laughs> like we actually do need more salt in the second half of the cycle. It's not a problem that we have. We, people feel bloated in the second half of the cycle because you're holding more fluid extracellularly when you typically hold more, int- more of the fluid sits intra or inside of the cell, you have more extra. And so by having more electrolytes in the second half of the cycle, more sodium, it helps to pull more fluid back in. Okay. Oh my gosh. There's nothing wrong with dark chocolate sea salt. <laughs> so you're talking Love about the, that. That's the extracellular matrix has more fluid. Okay. Yeah. It's not just that your uterus is double in size and it's pushing on other organs. It's actually no. That whole body. bloated feeling is that. that there's a slight water shift. Yeah. From from intra to extra. And that's what makes us feel bloated. Cause often you can get on a scale and you're like, oh, I'm not, I, I feel like everything's fitting different. Get on yeah. the scale. You might even be sitting at the same weight and you're like, well, how come? Yeah. So by wow. having more electrolytes, you know, magnesium, potassium doesn't hurt as well, but more so we crave sodium at that time because it helps to redistribute the water fluid. Mm. It's not water. <laughs> yeah. 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 Hey, okay. that's so cool. My brain has a lot of weird layers to it. Sorry, we've gone in like 80. Oh, I know, that, that's right? a, This is yeah. what's amazing. You know, this is what's amazing about you is you have all these different sides. And Yeah, yeah. and so in, in wrapping up, like what do you focus on right now? Like your day-to-day as a person and practitioner, what what is it like? Oh. Are you focused on, you mean for myself or for? I guess in your practice, like are you doing client stuff? Are you working uh, as an oh, educator right. more? Are you? Yeah. Yes, all of the above, which is why I never <laughs> finish things. No, I, um, I'm, an, uh, yeah, I'm, um, I do see clients. I tend to see clients one to two days a week, but I'm currently on sabbatical from clients. Um, I'm trying to take three to four months off to finish writing a book because I spread myself too thin, and then I don't get the writing done. So, so I'm taking wait list for people for clients. Um, but I have seen clients for 30 years and it's my first break besides having a baby. So I was like, okay, I think I'm allowed to have a break. Um, So I'm an educator. That's my big, you know, I lecture at a university one to two days a week. Mm -hmm. And then I do a lot of online, you know, online lecturing is so big. Um, So yeah. Yes. All of the above. And if folks want to find (laughs) out more about you is the best place to go astrologyhealth.com. Yeah, astrologyofhealth.com is a website or it's the same on Instagram. There's a lot of classes that are pre-recorded. If people are like, oh my God, medical astrology, I've never heard of this before. And they want, you know, 
baby beginner courses all the way to really in-depth courses. And there's a lot of one-offs and there's a section that links to all the podcasts I've done. So you'll be linked when this goes live and you can listen to a good 15 hours of me for free Awesome! <laughs> with all the podcasts and all your, all your classes so. are super affordable though, too. And you have a package deal. If you, you're just like, yes, everything I want. Yes. Everything. Yeah. So, it's so fun when cool. people get that. They're like, Oh, it's so fun. I don't have to decide. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So trying to create that into, yeah. Trying to make it a really well-rounded kind of bigger courses and little courses. And, but yeah, I halfway through my houses book. And then my big tome of there's a big medical astrology book coming in a year or two. Yeah. So exciting. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, Gara, for being on the show. This has been so fun. And I will send you some lunar essence. Oh my gosh. That's so exciting. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I definitely am excited to try those. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. Thank you for being on here. This is awesome. Yeah. Enjoy the rest of your day.